0: In this peric we're going to come across eight different arguments between be Shammai and be Hillel, most of which will be to do with a meal. Many to do with Shabbos meals, some to do with meals in general, but the Mishnah introduces this peric by telling us The following things are the debates between be Shammai and be Hillel with regards to a meal. The truth is what the Mishnah means is these arguments concern things which go on directly before or after the meal, but not necessarily during the meal itself. And the first Machlekes which we're going to encounter concerns the obligation of to make Kiddush on Friday night. Now during Kiddush we make two different brachas. Number one is the bracha on wine, which as we learned in the sixth parak, is Boruch HaTar Hashem, the one who creates the fruit of the vine, and there's another bracha which is about sanctifying the day of Shabbos, and that bracha discusses specifically Shabbos. Machleikah between Meshama and Bishilel is which comes first. Now the Meforshim note that the whole obligation to make Kiddush on wine is only mid'Rabanan, whereas the obligation of Kiddush itself, of mentioning Shabbos, is Midr that comes from the Torah. And therefore of course the bracha which discusses Shabbos should come before the bracha on wine. And because of this difficulty, we're going to understand our missioner to be referring to the following case. Where somebody, during Mariv, on Friday night, had the intention to fulfill his obligation of Kiddush, his obligation to mention Shabbos, during the Shmoneh Esrei of Mariv. Because we mentioned Shabbos over there, so he had the intention that when he dove in Mariv, he should fulfill that obligation. And Mid said that's enough. midr we require you to make Kiddush on wine. But that means that now both brochas are going to be only midr the bracha on wine is Mejabonon, because it's always Mejabonon. But even the bracha which discusses Shabbos is Majabonon, because on a mid'oraisa level, you've already fulfilled your obligation during Ma'ariv. So now that they're both on the same level, we need to understand, we need to try and discover which one of those brachas should come first. First, you make the bracha on the day, meaning the bracha which discusses the day of Shabbos, and only then would you make the bracha of Beri Pri Hagofen on the wine. And the reason for Mejabonon is twofold. Number one, because the whole reason why you're making a bracha on wine is only because of Shabbos. Only because of the obligation of mentioning Shabbos do you bring wine and make a bracha on wine. So of course it makes sense to make the bracha on Shabbos first, and then to make the bracha on the wine. The second reason of Shammai is just the fact that Shabbos came first. Chronologically, Shabbos came first, and then the wine came. The obligation to make Kiddush starts after Shabbos comes in. And therefore you should mention Shabbos first, and only then go on to the bracha of wine. However, Vais I mean, Hillel, and Hilal say... That actually, if you think about it, in the scenario which you described, this person has already fulfilled his obligation of making Kiddush Midaraisa. The reason why he now has to make Kiddush again is so that he can make it on the wine. That's the Midrjabah obligation Which means that really, what's the whole reason why he's making the Kiddush now? It's not the sanctity of the day, it's the wine. If you had no wine, you wouldn't need to make Kiddush now, because you fulfilled your obligation in Shona estre And the only reason why you're making it again is so that you can make it on the wine. So because of that, the wine has more precedence and therefore it comes first. And only then do you go on to the bracha about mentioning Shabbos and discussing its holiness. Another reason given by the Gemara for Beit Hillel is an important rule known as Tadir 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 kaidem." If you have two different mitzvahs to do, and one occurs more frequently than the other, then the more frequent one has precedence. Now let's think about it, the obligation of sanctifying Shabbos, making Kiddush on Shabbos, comes once a week. Whatever happens, that's always going to be a once a week mitzvah. Whereas wine, there's a mitzvah on every Yom Tov. And at many Jewish occasions, at a wedding for example, there's an obligation to have wine there. And therefore because wine comes more frequently, and the mitzvah is associated with that, therefore the bracha is made on wine first, and only then is it made on the bracha which mentions Shabbos. Base. Before learning this Mishnah, we need to understand a few halachas about Tumah, about impurity. A dead body is called an Avi Avesa which literally means a grandfather of Tumah. That's like the most severe level of Tumah. And anything which touches a dead body it becomes an Avha Tumah, a father of Tumah. That's the second level of Tumah. And there are certain things which begin as an avatumma, for example a dead insect. And if something touches an avatumma, it becomes a le Tumah. A first degree removed tumma, meaning it's one degree removed from an avatuma, and both objects and food can become an avatuma and a rishinatuma. Now if a rishinatuma touches something, an object, it doesn't become tome, but if it touches food, then it does become tome, and that thing becomes known as a shenila tumma, Two degrees removed from the original avatuma. Now for normal food, that's it. That's where it stops, and if that f- tome food touches something else, other food, it won't become tome. However, when it comes to holier food, such as truma, which is the food, it's the gift which a farmer gives to the Kohen, that can go up to a shalishi l-tuma, which is already three degrees removed from the original avatuma. And if that touches other food, then the other food will remain to her, unless the other food is carbonus. If, for example, carbon meat touches a shalishi l-tuma, then the carbon meat will become tome as a ravi'i l'tuma. Now, midir bonon, because one's hands often touch lots of different places, and one doesn't really keep track of where his hands touch. The Rabbinum decreed that stam yodaim, which means hands which haven't been carefully thought about and kept an eye on by the person, are tome as a sheni a second degree of tome, because they may have touched something else which is tome, so one's hands are assumed to be a sheni latuma. Now a sheni latuma, if that touches something else, then that something else only becomes tome if it is truma food or carbon food. So before Kohanim eat their Truma, they have to be very careful to ensure that their hands are tohar. And in order to remove this Tuma of Stam this assumption that one's hands are a Shani tuma, to remove that one needs to wash them and do Tilas Wash your hands before you eat. And the Raboninu decreed that everybody has to wash their hands before eating even normal food, and we're talking about significant food like bread, in order to make sure that Kohanim wash their hands before eating Truma. Now, one more law before we actually read the text of the Mishnah, and that is that if a liquid touches a shiny Latuma. Now, in general, if something can become Tommy from a shiny Latuma, it should only become a Shalishi Latuma, a third degree removed from an Avatuma. However, Midra if a liquid touches a shiny Latuma, it becomes a Rishon Latuma. It goes up a level, and that's Midra And furthermore, if a liquid, which is a Rishon Latuma, touches an object, even though we said before that only food can become a sheni latuma and onwards, mjabonon, if liquid, which is a rishan latuma, touches an object, then that object becomes tome as a sheni latuma. However, whereas when, a, when something usually becomes tome, the entire thing becomes tome. But in order to show that the object is only tome mudjabonon and not tome mediraisa, the Rabbanon said that only the outside of the object should become tome, because that's where it touched. If the liquid touched only the outside of the object, then only that part should become tome, and the inside will remain to her. Now, based on that introduction to tumah, let's read our Mishnah. Be- and say, If somebody is going to have wine and bread at the beginning of a meal, and this is basically done every Friday night, but it could technically also be done during the week. The point is, you're going to have wine and bread at the beginning of the meal. Now, according to Shammai, one is forbidden to drink from a cup whose outside is tome, even if its inside is still tohar. Now, again, how can that be the case? That can be if a, if a drink, which is tome as a rishon latuma midr'abonon, because it touched a sheni latuma if that liquid then touches the outside of a cup, then the outside of the cup becomes a sheni latuma According to Shammai, it's forbidden to use that cup to drink from. The reason being that some of the wine from the inside of the cup, some of the liquid from the inside of the cup might splash out to the outside of the cup. That liquid would now become what? If a liquid touches a shady latuma it becomes a rishon Latuma medjabonon. It goes up a level. And if the liquid becomes a rishoyin Latuma and one's hands touches that liquid, then your hands will become a shady latuma and we don't want that. And therefore it's forbidden to use a cup whose outside is tome. Therefore it follows that the cup which you're using is totally tahar. So Bishamay say, first you should wash your hands in order that your stam Yodayim, your hands which haven't been kept an eye on, should become Tahar now, and no longer a Shani latoma. The achakach and then you would pour the cup of wine, make a offen on that, drink the wine, and then make a brocha on the bread and eat the bread. And the reason for Bishamay is that since this cup is tahar. Even on the outside, if you don't wash your hands first, then your hands are tome, which means if any water spills out onto the outside of the cup, and your hands touch the outside, then your hands being a shenilutuma would make the liquid a rishenilutuma, going up a level, and since the liquid would be a rishenilutuma, it would make the cup a shenilutuma. And then you wouldn't be able to drink from the cup because according to Bishamai, you can't drink from a cup whose outside is tome. And therefore, rather, you should make sure your hands are tahor to begin with, and then even if water does splash out onto the outside of the cup, that's fine, because the water's not going to become, the wine is not going to become tome, since your hands are tahor. However, ube siloim be silo, say, you are now to use a cup whose outside is tome. And therefore, it's very possible that this cup which you're using now, it's outside is tome. And if you wash your hands first, and you don't dry them properly, then you'll wet the outside of the cup, and because the outside of the cup is tome, as a sheni latuma, it will touch the liquid, making the liquid a risha and then your hands touching the liquid will become a sheni latuma again, which is where they started. The whole reason why you washed your hands was to stop them being a sheni latuma. But if you wash them first before pouring the wine, then they're just going to become a sheni latuma again. Again, how? Because the cup will touch the water which will touch his hands, and therefore there will be no point in washing. So to avoid that, first you should pour the cup of wine, and only later wash your hands in order to eat bread, so that your hands don't become Tommy once more from wetting and touching the outside of the Tommy cup. Mishnah Gimmel. after doing after washing your hands for eating, one would dry his hands and the towel which he would use to dry his hands, he would usually keep that towel, that napkin like towel with him for the rest of the meal and use it as a napkin to wipe his hands. The question is where should it be placed, bearing in mind that it's now wet. So if it touches anything which is a shiny latuma, it will become a, the liquid will become a Risha latuma, and anything which touches it will become a shiny latuma. So say, One should wipe his hands, he should dry his hands with this towel, this napkin, and then where should he place it during the meal? He should place it on the table. And the reason for this Shama is that he holds that it's forbidden to eat from a table, which is a Sheiniletumah, a second degree removed from an abatuma. The reason being that we know that a Sheiniletumah can make truma which is the special food which goes to the Koranim, it can make that food a Shilishi It can transmit Tumah to that food, and if Truma becomes Tome, it has to be burnt. So we definitely do not want the Truma to become Tome. And we're so worried about this, according to a Shammai, that you're not even allowed to eat normal food on a table which is a Shani Le even though normal food cannot become Tome from a Shani so that you don't come to eat Truma on a table which is Shani Le you can't even eat normal food on a table which is a Shani Therefore, it must be that the table which you're using is tohar. It's pure. So it's definitely a safe place to put your towel. Whereas, if you were to put it on the cushion, on the seat which you're lying on, remember when they ate, they would recline, they would lean to their left as they ate. If they would put it down there, that cushion could be tome. So it's certainly preferable to put it on the table, which according to Shammai must be kept tohar. Or Beishilal, remember Hill'll <laughs> say, that actually you are allowed to eat from a table which is a shiny latuma. We're not worried that you might come to eat truma from that table and the truma might touch the table and it might become tome. We're not worried about that, and therefore, your table may very well be tome as a shiny latuma. So if you put your wet towel on the table, then the liquid on the towel will become a rishon latuma because it touched a shiny latuma. And like we said, when jabonon, if a liquid touches a shiny latuma it goes up a level and becomes a Rishaini Lutuma. And then if you wipe your hands on that napkin, your hands will touch the liquid and become a tome as a shane Lutuma again, and you'll have to wash your hands again. Okay, so we have established why Baisille say you shouldn't put it on the table. Now what about the cushion? If you think about it, there's still a problem with putting it on the cushion, because that again could be tome. and if your hands touch the napkin, then your hands will become tome again. Yet Baisille say a la you should put it on the cushion. Why is that? Why is it any better to put it on the cushion than to put it on the table? Surely they're both probably tommy, and if you touch the liquid which touched either of them, your hands will become tommy. So why does Miss Basil say that it's better to put it on the cushion? The answer is, because if you put it on the table, then we're worried that food will touch the liquid on the napkin, the wet part of the napkin, and the food will become tommy. Whereas if the napkin is on the cushion, food doesn't really get onto the cushion, rather your hands touch the cushion, or your hands touch the napkin on the cushion. So when it comes to the kashon, we're worried that not the food will become Tome, but your hands. Now, there's no source in the Torah for the idea of hands becoming Tome. Either your entire body becomes Tome or it doesn't. This whole idea of your hands becoming Tome because they touch a liquid, which is Tome, that's totally mejabonon. Whereas, when it comes to food becoming tomeh, even though in this case it happens to be mejabonon, but there is a concept of food becoming tome Midaraisa. and therefore, we would prefer for one's hands to become Tome, which has no source in the Torah, than food to become Tomei, which does have a source in the Torah. And therefore we still say you should put the towel on the cushion, because then the worry is that one's hands will become Tomei, rather than putting the napkin, the towel, onto the table, which may lead to the food becoming Tomei, which has more of a source in the Torah than one's hands. Mishdalad, once again, this machlekes between Beishama and Beishilil is going to be based on another machlekes. Which is not mentioned in the Mishnah, and that is whether one is allowed to use a waiter who is unlearned in the halachas of a meal. Kuntu okay, bis you can; whereas kuntu bis hilah, you can't, because he may come to cause you to sin, perhaps in the area of tuma and tahara, of impurity and purity, and therefore one's waiter should be somebody who knows the halachas of a meal. Now that debate gives rise to the following machlekas: Bis shema, imi say. At the end of the meal, just before Birka Samozain, the bracha made after eating, there's a mitzvah bonon that one has to wash his hands again, and that's known as Maimachronim, the later water. It's the second time which one washes his hands as part of the meal. He did it before he ate the bread at the beginning, but he also has to do it at the end, and there are different reasons being given for this, the most famous of which is probably that there was salt. It was customary that after a meal, people would often eat salt. The Gemara says this has dietary benefits, and there's a certain salt called Melach doimis, which if one touches it and then it has contact with one's eyes, it could blind him. And so to avoid that, the Rabon said that one must wash his hands before benching, so right after he has this salt, so that he doesn't come to blind himself, chas So B'Sham I I say, m'chadanas habayis, first one should make sure to clean his house. Now the truth is, bias doesn't really mean house here, it's more of a word for a room, so one should clear the room, or the area where he eats, and only then, and after that, should you wash your hands as The reason being, that since you're allowed to have a waiter who is an Am which means someone who doesn't know the laws according to his Shammai, this Am doesn't know that it's forbidden to spoil food, and therefore he's going to leave even the large bits of food on the table and around that area, and he's not going to be concerned that the water which they're using to wash their hands now will go onto these big pieces of food and ruin them. However, the halakha is that you have to avoid that, and therefore you need to clear the house first, clear that area first, at least of the pieces of bread, the pieces of food which are the size of an olive or larger, and then wash your hands. And even if it goes into the smaller pieces of bread, that's okay. Well Basil I mean, but the will say, you're not allowed to have a waiter who is an Amhar which means this person must know the halachas of the meal, which means that the waiter knows that he needs to clear the large pieces of bread before they say, and before they do Maimachroinim, and therefore he already would have cleared the big pieces of bread. So you don't really need to clean the other bits now, and therefore still say that you're allowed to do the following, you're allowed to first wash your hands, and then to clean that area, not that you have to, but we're still saying that you can, because we're not worried that you're going to spoil large pieces of bread, because the waiter would have known to already clear that before you wash your hands. For Don't worry if you've found these Mishnahis quite difficult today, they're very possibly some of the hardest Mishnahis in Seder Zeroyim.